Welcome to Success Hackers, cracking the entrepreneurial code, the podcast that's focused on empowering entrepreneurs to find the edge and take their business to a whole nother level. We're peeking behind the curtain to learn entrepreneurial shortcuts and success strategies from the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Get ready for mind-blowing entrepreneurial tips with your host, high-performance business coach, keynote speaker, and author, Scott Hansen. Showtime in three, two, one. Welcome to Success Hackers Cracking the Entrepreneurial Code. I am your host, Scott Hansen, and I am fired up today. Today we have an incredible, I mean incredible, talented, smart, sophisticated Jill Salzman, who's actually doing some incredible things, not only in her local community, but really on a global basis. She's incredible. Jill Salzman is actually currently growing her third entrepreneurial venture, The Founding Moms, the world's first and only kid-friendly collective of monthly meetups for mom entrepreneurs. She's a well-sought-after speaker. Jill has been featured in national media outlets, including... CNN Headline News, People Magazine, the Chicago Tribune, Business Matters, WGN, WAHM Talk Radio, and many, many, many more. She was recently named one of the top 50 women to watch in tech. She released her first book, Found It, a field guide for mom entrepreneurs. She's also launching the Founding Kit to help entrepreneurs launch their businesses using affordable, spectacular services In 2013, Forbes named The Founding Moms one of the top 10 websites for women entrepreneurs. And in 2014, CNN Money called Jill a mommy mogul. Jill Selzman, welcome to Success Hackers. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much. It sounds very exhausting, that whole bio. <laughs> that is I'm absolutely exhausted hearing about myself, but, uh, <laughs> but thanks for having me on. Absolutely. That is spectacular, and I know I could have probably kept reading for another few minutes. I had to, <laughs> due to brevity, I had to leave some things out, but my God, that's incredible. That's okay. I work a lot, I work hard, and I love what I do. Oh, man, that's and that's the key. That's That's for sure. So, you know, I really want to jump right into your personal story here for a second, Jill. I want you to really explain to our audience, Hacker Nation, here about who you are and kind of share with us more about the founding moms. Sure. Well, I I love pina coladas. Um, No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But uh, I, I was one of those entrepreneurs who was born with it. I started you know, the lemonade stand at four, and I'm not going to take you through the high school years, but, uh, but I launched my very first real company that was really, I say really, cause it was an LLC. Uh, in 2005, I managed bands and I sent bands out on tour. I did publicity for them. I was a music biz gal for, oh, a good 10 years. Um, but about, you know, two years into running that company, I had another itch um, and that itch came about because when your bands are on the road, you're making money as their manager. But when they're in the studio recording, you're not making any money. So I thought, why don't I do something on the side? Mm. And I launched a baby jewelry business because I had just had my first baby. So I was just sort of selling those out of a home office off of a website. And it kept growing and growing and growing because I was at that point very good at the publicity that I was doing for my bands. So I did it for my jewelry. Um, and both of those companies 
were being run at the same time by a crazy woman in a home office with a baby. And when I got pregnant with baby number two, uh, I sort of freaked out. I used to not say that. I used to cover it up and say, I, oh, you know, I got concerned. <laughs> but I totally freaked out about how to run two businesses with two babies. So I went to meetup.com and I started a little meetup right outside of Chicago in Oak Park, Illinois. And I said, if you're a mom with a ba baby in a business, come and talk to me and tell me how you're doing it. Um, and that sort of, that's, that's where we left it because four years later, uh, I now run the founding moms full time and that's monthly meetups in 40 cities around the world. We're in nine countries now. We're 8,000 members strong. Uh, and it's a blast growing this, this brand. It's amazing. Wow. That is absolutely. That's a very tiny nutshell, but that's it in a nutshell. I understand. I understand. I, that is absolutely spectacular. So you went from sort of working with bands in the music world and then you probably said, you know what, I got to probably maybe grow make up a little money. bit, make some money, <laughs> make some money. And then you, you had your child and you're like, wait, I'm an entrepreneurial minded individual. How can we make this sort of a business while I can also watch watch my child and then ultimately my children. I, I think it's incredible because, you know, on the show we talk about your passion play. And, you know, I think you'd agree that passion is really such a key ingredient to, to being successful. So, you know, you went from sort of, sort of overseeing and managing bands to really a, a, a shift to taking a niche, in this case, mothers and, and mothers that wanted to stay at home or, or maybe not stay at home, but watch, you know, be with their kids, but also make money and, and, and all those things. What, how, when did you realize that really this line of work, not only was your passion, but it was actually what you were called to do? Uh, I did not, you know, it's funny. I'm very passionate about everything. And I think that the passion even overrides my thinking of, Hey, I'm entrepreneurial. I just go ahead and I do it. Hmm. Uh, but I didn't realize this was my calling running the founding moms or working with mom entrepreneurs or women entrepreneurs in general. Um, until I was way into it. I think at the very beginning, it really was a self-serving need, which is usually what the best companies are launched from. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, sort of a, as the women came to me and said, hey, I hate driving to Oak Park. Can you open up a Founding Moms Exchange in Chicago? Hey, I'm in New York. We want to do this here too. And as people started to call to me, I started to realize, wait, there's this much bigger market need than I ever even thought or knew existed. Hmm. So I followed it. And I, to this day, continue to just follow my members' wishes and what they need in their businesses and, and just continue to provide and sort of serve them. That's incredible. How do you do it? How do you do it all? Meaning, you know, I understand we probably everybody listening knows what a meetup.com is and they, they can go to their local meetup and meet other yeah. business professionals. How do you manage? I think you said, did you say 40 plus cities? Yeah, that's what I mean. It all sounds crazy and exhausting. It doesn't feel that way. Um, I, I definitely don't do it all by myself. I have a host in every city who's, you know, sort of not really a replica of me, but is somebody there to facilitate her own Founding Moms Exchange in her city and sort of read the local culture uh, and how things work there. So I, every single time we launch in a new city now, that's because a host, a potential host has approached me and said, I want to open one up here. Um, so my job by day really is to manage all of these women and make sure they have the resources to run their exchanges and help their members. Sort of the, the trickle-down effect. Yeah. No, I think – so out of curiosity, if someone's listening and say, wow, I want to be part of this community, is there a membership cost? How does the revenue work? Great question. So we spent the first three years 
not monetizing it all and not charging a thing. Mm -hmm. And I like to put that out there for a lot of people who say, well, you can't then raise prices on folks because we did. Uh, and about uh, last January, we flipped around. So if you'd like to join the Founding Moms and join a local Founding Moms exchange, it's free. But if you want to attend a monthly meetup, a monthly exchange, it's 10 bucks per month. Um, and for that, you get an amazing speaker, you get food and drink, you get awesome company. Uh, and, uh, you know, you just, that's pretty much it right now. We're in the middle of, of forming an online portal that will be a whole different situation and will be monetized, but we're not there yet. For $10 a month, I think this is just incredible because a lot of the times I talk about, you know, um, associations and surrounding yourself with people that are sort of playing big and sort of playing up and, and living life, the glass is half full and people that are positive and doing some great things and really for nine ninety five or ten dollars a month, a mother who is maybe thinks that well uh, you know I have these kids i have I've been out of the workforce for such a long time. How do I get back? Where do I go? I think this is incredible because again, for ten dollars a month, not only can you kind of get mentally back in the game, but yeah, just to be around other individuals that are playing big and, and creating new companies and ideas is just for ten dollars a month it's a no-brainer you totally hit the nail on the head that's so it's so interesting because we get some members who sort of go like well if i'm gonna spend ten dollars what do i get and i kind of think well then you're not the member for us but even <laughs> if even if you you need that push i mean i've been hosting two different exchanges in two cities for four years now and every month i need a jolt and i go twice a month it's awesome every single time so I don't think, no matter how experienced you get as an entrepreneur, that face-to-face -face interaction, that, you know, throwing out a new marketing sort of plan idea or throwing out a new, you know, accounting concept you need to understand, you can always be asking people and always be inspired by them. That never gets old. Mm, that's great. So a lot of great successes. You've done a lot of great things. We've talked briefly about some of the successes that you've had. One of the things that I want to shift gears here with for a second is to talk about maybe an unsexy subject, which is, of course, failing. You know, I would love yeah. to know a time in your, in your business where you failed. Um, and I know that in being an entrepreneur, we, we, we fail a lot. And the old saying is, you know, <laughs> if you want to have massive success, if you want to have massive success, just keep failing more often. You'll get to where you, where you want quicker. But I'd love to learn from you. A time maybe where you failed, but more importantly, not only did you fail, but you learned from it. I have failed so many times. I, <laughs> as you introduced that question, I've been sitting here going like, which one do I talk about? <laughs> I don't really call them failures, though, even as they happen, because everything really is a lesson. It sounds so cliche. But uh, I think my first biggest failure, quote unquote, was when I was managing bands. And one of my clients said to me, I want to perform with the Black Crows. And this idiot of a naive entrepreneur said, okay, sure. And I went ahead and I called their agent and I booked the Black Crows in their private helicopter to fly to Chicago. Uh, and I, this is also ridiculous because when the client woke up the next day with a hangover and said, I don't want to play with the Black Crows anymore, <laughs> I had to call them and cancel the Black Crows. And let me just tell you that that's not cheap. Oh, man. So I had to go into my savings and pay for the cancellation fee that I did not even know existed when I booked them. Mm. So there were like 65 lessons in a two-day affair. Um, so that was, but I think my biggest lesson from that was, you know, don't listen to the client, client immediately and go ahead and do what they ask. So since then, I think with every failure, I get smarter and smarter. Um, and my, 
I think my most recent biggest failure with the founding moms was in 2011. We were about 500 members strong, and I felt very confident that we would be able to run our own, our very first international conference and bring our then 10 cities together. Um, and I planned it. I paid the venue. I paid the speakers. I, it was an amazing day. And I forgot in the, in the moment that you have to market the conference and have people actually buy tickets. Mm. So uh, <laughs> since then, we've had a, we had our very first one last year. It was a raging success. We brought a lot more people together, but I remembered to market it, and we did sell tickets. Wow, the Black yeah. Crows, you're the, the pinnacle <laughs> of your career. Does, then that, also, date me? Does that date me to bring up the Black <laughs> They're like old, old, old school now. Signs, signs everywhere, signs. Is that yeah. Black Crows? Yeah, sure. I, I, sure, maybe. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't remember. But <laughs> that's an incredible story. And, and I, love the, I, I love the message, which is, you know what? I could have turned Tucktail, had the, literally one of the biggest, probably you're telling all your friends and your family, look what I'm doing, look who I'm doing it with, with the Black Crows. And all of a sudden, boom, it just kind of fell apart. And I think uh, th- this is the epitome of, of, of this podcast and this, and this show, Success Hackers, because it's all about cracking this entrepreneurial code. And I love hearing your story because at the end of the day, you could have just said, you know what, this isn't for me. Being an entrepreneur wasn't for me. I tried it as a young kid, but man, this adult thing is just, it's not working. But you said, you know what, what do I learn from it? How do I, how do I, how do I take this and, and learn from it and then move forward? And what a great story it is. And sure enough, now we're talking about it on my show. Right. right. And I, in fact, to this day, I don't even focus on the failure part. I just focus on the, oh my gosh, the Black Crows got back to me. Like, that's still amazing to me. Uh, and I'll reach out to anybody at this point. But, I, you know, it's just, I think, sadly, part of being an entrepreneur is just always being so optimistic that you just fly by the stuff that doesn't work out and keep building on it. Right, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. So talk about a time, you know, you, you shared with us sort of your failure. What about fear? I know a lot of times people get stuck with fear. And I like what you said about, I don't even look at it as being failure. I, I look at it as a, uh, a building block. I, I love the way you sort of took a different perspective, which is very important in becoming a successful entrepreneur. So talk about fear though. I know that a lot of times fear literally grips people to the point where it's the almost analysis by paralysis, but even, even yeah. more fierce is they don't move forwards towards, towards the goals and the dreams that they have because well, what if I do this? What are they going to say? What are they going to think? What if I fail? What if I lose? What if... Talk about fear. And I don't know. Do you have fear? You know, I, I, I'm embarrassed to say I don't think I have much of it. But at the same time, it's literally the number one problem that almost all of our 8,000 members of the Founding Moms have. Every month, I meet up with at least 20 women. And most of them go around the table and say, you know, I'm really scared of this, this, this week, or I'm scared of doing that, or I'm scared of failing altogether with my company. And it angers me. And I don't know why I don't have more of it. So maybe I can't relate, but, uh, I, I don't have much, but I know that it is probably the number one blocker to folks really letting themselves soar in their business. So what do you tell the, the people that you work with about you? Obviously, you know, you're, you're a special individual in that. I, Maybe sort of like a handicap. Yeah, like you don't really. really have fear. You don't really look <laughs> at it, which is great. But what do you tell people that maybe you you speak to or people that are in your groups when they say that, hey, you know what, Jill, I, I am fearful. What if this? What if this? What, what kind of words do you give them? I can only speak from observation. And I notice that a lot of people get, I mean, first off, they get bogged down in paperwork. 
So a lot of people are huge business plan advocates or, you know, they have to have all of the numbers working in their Excel spreadsheet before they even begin to do it. And maybe this is also from experience. But I, I often tell folks, if you're planning and planning and planning, you could plan as hard as you want. But what if you figure out at the end of the day, you finally launch and the market doesn't even care about it? Hmm. I mean, I've, I've literally spoken to members of ours who have put $5,000 into market research, making sure all the materials are there, all of the things line up. And then on the day of launch, they lost their 5K because, well, while everybody maybe checked the box in the survey that said they would buy it, nobody actually bought it. So I don't really know why folks wait and plan. That's, that, to me, is akin to sitting there with your big ball of fear and hiding behind it. Hmm. And if you go out there and you just ask five to ten friends, hey, do you think you'd buy this, and sort of informally just get going, um, you can just skip right through that fear. Um, and again, you know, I, since I don't have much of it, I don't, I don't really know why people are so held back, but I think they are also very influenced by other people hmm. and how some people look like they have amazing success and I often have to remind our members, nobody knows what they're doing. There are no exceptions. Not a single one of us knows what we're doing. If it looks good and sounds good, uh, that those are some tall tales. Hmm. Uh, I think that's great. I think it's great. You, you're, it's interesting. You're definitely unique in that you, you don't let it sort of bog you down. And, and, and that to never, me, never. yeah, and, and, and you probably went through that sort of a, the different stages throughout your career and throughout your life and throughout your business. And it's just... Um, like you shared, I think fear unfortunately grips people to the point where they feel that the what if this happens in a bad way unfortunately overtakes their real giftedness and their real calling to do something great yep. and they stay paralyzed. You know, and I, I, as you're talking, I'm realizing I think instead of the word fear, I have a lot of worry and concern, not to the point of fear where I'm stopped from doing things, but I think what I alleviate my worry and concern with often are other people. I'm like a, a people user in the good way. So, mm -hmm. so if I get really worried about something, I'll show up at one of my exchanges or I'll call a friend or I'll show up at my co-working space where I work and I'll just ask people, like, hey, do you think I should be scared about this? They will tell me yes or no and it will sort of move me right past it immediately. So I'm a big, big advocate, again, of just FaceTime. That FaceTime is so important and I use it in every sense. Hmm. Awesome. So... I want, to, I want to know about a kind of an aha or a light bulb moment, we call it. There, there must have been a time in your, in your career, in your business, where you knew you were on to something big. Like, like something happened, whether it was polling your friends or your family that you talked about earlier and said, wait, I might have something here. Or, you know, maybe a time when it wasn't just a dream anymore. It wasn't just a fantasy, but it actually became a reality. Maybe you, maybe you signed a first client, you sold a first product or service or anything else that you would like to share. What was that? that aha kind of light bulb moment? You know, I think, we, and I'm going to talk about the founding moms because that's what I'm currently working on. With the founding moms, it was definitely, there was this day where I was sitting at my Oak Park founding moms exchange and that, uh, there was a woman who came up to me and she said, you know, I hate driving all the way from Chicago to Oak Park. And I thought, you lazy, lazy person. It's all of four to five miles. But at the same time, I think that's where my head sort of went like, wait a second, she's interested in doing this so much so that she's asking the organizer or, or to organize it somewhere else. And so when I sat down at meetup.com, when you open up a new meetup, it asks you to put in a zip code of where you're going to meet up. So I took out, you know, the Oak Park zip code. I put in the Chicago zip code. And as I was typing, it, it literally was a light bulb moment. I went like, wait, I could be putting a zip code into anywhere. Like I could put one in for Nebraska or London or any, anywhere. 
Um, and that, then I sort of, you know, all the wheels started turning and I, I immediately thought, what if I did this in 10 cities? What if I did this in 15 cities? Um, so, and, you know, and it just keeps coming and they keep asking and we keep getting requests to open in more cities. So it's no longer really a light bulb moment, but it's what keeps driving me. Right. It, again, I, I think the takeaway here is, is it's, it's kind of this, this theme throughout this interview uh, that we're having is, you're you're taking something that's maybe was there, maybe wasn't there, but you looked at it and said, "How can we?" I always I always like to say, sort of 10x this. And I know that that maybe wasn't going through your mind right away. Is how do I take something and 10x it? But again, you you saw a gap, right? And then you ran with it and you you exploded on it and you said, "Okay, you know what? Somebody may or may not be doing this, but but that doesn't matter to me. I want to take this and really create massive value and impact for people." Right. Yes, totally. And I, you know, some people, I mean, as I said, I started this whole thing sort of accidentally, very self-serving. Um, the only other example I could give where I feel like it was the same thing was when I was selling my baby jewelry, which were little sterling silver anklets with bells on them. So you could slip them onto the ankles of babies and you could hear them toddling around or waking <laughs> up from their nap. It was really cute. Yeah. I imported them from Thailand. I didn't create them. Um, but I one day got a letter, an email, a very sweet email from a customer who said, thank you so, so much for selling these. I bought one for my horse. Hmm. And I thought, what? And she said, we just had a baby horse in the barn, and the baby's, the horse's mom is blind. Hmm. So this was the only way that the animal could hear the baby. And while that sounds sort of ridiculous, uh, I sort of went like, oh, my goodness, there are more uses than one. I really need to be listening to this and, you know, sort of move on what this customer is telling me because her letter was very, very moving, even though it was about a horse. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's sort of every single time I get feedback, I think I take it wildly seriously and almost morph my company to it rather than like, oh, thanks so much. I'm going to move on with my own ideas, uh, which I think a lot of people make the mistake of doing. So Hacker Nation, I, I really want, I hope you're taking notes uh, and listening to Jill because <laughs> She has shared some incredible sort of aha moments. Um, again, I, I think the underlying, the underlying theme here is to be open-hearted and open-minded to things that are happening all around you. It's not like you went out and said, how do I create this product per se? You took a need in your everyday life. You, you saw a gap, right? And you sort of just yeah. went for it and exploded. And I think that's... That's what's so great about becoming or being an entrepreneur is you, you, you take things that are in your everyday life. You know, a lot of times people think, man, if I would have only thought of that, well, that right. only thought of that, people that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars are people that have just like you and me totally. that have said, wait, there's a gap here and how do I fill it? Totally. And I, I do, I want to add that I think a lot of people hear my background and think, well, she's crazy because she went from music management to baby jewelry to mom entrepreneurship. Uh, and, you know, what's funny is that as I grow the Founding Moms, I'm growing it identically to how we grew street teams for bands. Mm. So literally every single thing that I've learned from each company I've launched has grown on it on itself. And so what I do now is just an amplification of what I did in my first company and then the tweaks I learned in the second one. And I'm sure when I launch my next one, it'll be even better and bigger and stronger because of everything I'm learning. Mm. So it does all tie together. Well, that's awesome. It's, it's such a great kind of a uh, aha takeaway moment. So, you know, as you know, Jill, the premise of the show is to not only empower current or really would-be entrepreneurs, but also to share certain shortcuts or we call hacks 
on yeah. how they might be able to get their business and success quicker. Is there maybe a story or a strategy or a success hack that's helped you take your business to the next level in, in a relatively shorter amount of time? Uh, you know, focusing on the PR has been tremendous for me. And I, I now get a lot of questions from folks. Well, how do you get all this press? And what, what are the tricks and the secrets? And there are none. And so I just want to throw out there that every reporter and every media person is available somehow on the internet. I mean, I don't know how we would, I don't know how we existed before the internet, but you know, now that they're out there, all I do is reach out constantly all the time. And while uh, it seems very scary for folks, it's not scary at all. And the more press you get, the more press, or I'm trying to say press begets press. So the more you appear in it, it's very counterintuitive. The more other press sort of want to feature you. Um, and then, you know, those competitive folks out there look at all of the press you get and get really competitive and think you're doing way more amazingly well than you actually are. Um, so one of my hacks is always to tell folks, drop the press release, just write a short email to a reporter in a publication you want to be in, um, and work it, follow up, follow up, follow up. And it's, it's going to happen. So let me, let me piggyback off that. Cause I think this is fascinating. Without giving away all your secrets, you said writing. E- <laughs> I, don't think I, have. I, I, I I love to take that just one step further. When you say PR, 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 I agree with you 100%. I mean, I love the saying, which is the magic of TV or the magic of radio can elevate your brand, your business so much quicker than just going yes. to you know a thousand networking meetings all the time. Which totally. sometimes you need to do that. I get that, but. When you email somebody and you email, you say, a reporter, is there something that – because I'm sure that they get asked by a lot of different people to come on the air. So what is what yeah. is kind of a, one of the secrets you can give? You know, the biggest secret, and people really fight this even when they literally type their pitch in front of me, is to keep it unbelievably short. I'm not even kidding, like five sentences long. And I say that because I also – I used to write for NBC Chicago. So I was thrown onto some media list, and I get pitched all the time. So I get to see all of these PR agencies' giant long press releases. And if, if I see a press release, I hit delete. Hmm. Uh, and, and so it, the shorter it is, the easier it is for somebody who's inundated by pitches all day long to get back to you. Um, and then if you throw in a question, it sort of that question mark sort of makes me want to hit reply and answer you even if I don't know you or care about you or like you. So, <laughs> so my two tricks are just unbelievably short and throw in a question somewhere in there rather than just stating what you do and who you are. That's great. So that what a great, great, great uh, strategy. And now you're all going to get press coverage and I'm going to start losing. <laughs> <laughs> the things that you're doing, I don't think you're going to have any problems with any <laughs> press coverage whatsoever. Jill. I hope not. I hope from, from your mouth to every Absolutely. So, so we're on to, we, that was sort of the, the, the meat and potatoes of, of, of the interview, and, I, and I'm glad you're able to share so many, so many incredible, incredible strategies. But I want, to, uh, I want to take you to the randomness round. Okay. And the randomness round, are you, are you scared? Are you nervous? Uh, yes, actually. For the first time, I have some fear. Perfect. Okay, good. That's the, that's the goal. <laughs> the whole goal here for the randomness round is, is I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you, and it's just fun. It's exciting. It's energetic. I just want you, whatever kind of comes to, to the top of mind when I ask the oh, question, no, just l- let us hear it. Let, let it rip. Revealing. Okay. Okay? You ready? All right. I'm All right. ready. The best advice you've ever received from Nike, just do it. The one device you cannot live without. 
Oh, it's so lame. But my iPhone. <laughs> you and oh, everybody that's else. That's depressing. <laughs> I know. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, being a successful entrepreneur obviously starts with a leadership of self. You can't lead anybody until you lead yourself. What's the one habit that you have that's contributed to your success? I want to say humor, laughter, uh, whether it's in writing or it's in person. The more I can make people laugh, the more at ease they feel, the more connected they feel, the more trust they have, the more they stick with me. What's maybe one other golden nugget that you can share with our Hacker Nation community that might be, maybe someone's listening and says, you know what, man, that, that one golden nugget was able to catapult my business. Uh, I'm going to say this. It's very temporal. It's very now because I've seen it happen a lot, literally in the last two weeks. Hashtag more in Instagram. And if you're not on Instagram, get on Instagram because I literally have seen companies be picked up by major corporations and purchased. And I've seen giant influx in customer purchases, literally just from people knowing how to hashtag a ton of hashtags in Instagram. And if that doesn't even make sense to you, I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) I'll go on to the next question okay. <laughs> because this is the randomness round. So I appreciate got it. Got it. That was so random, but it's true. But okay. Okay, good. So last question on the randomness round, which is what's one hidden talent that you have that maybe most people may not even know about you. I can juggle cigar boxes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was in a circus when I was little and <laughs> I know how to do it. If you want me to show you, I can. Wow. Is that something you put on your YouTube channel? I'm just curious. Definitely not. Okay, good. Definitely not. No, no. But my goodness, you really, you nailed it with the randomness. I want to do that to people with the randomness. Wow, juggling cigar boxes. Yep, there you go. See that Hacker Nation? It doesn't matter where you start out. It's where you're going. Jill is... uh, That hasn't helped me at all in life. I was going to say, if that hasn't helped you in your business, I don't know what else can. Juggling cigar boxes. This is awesome. Well, Jill, this has been <laughs> this has been incredible. Thank you, Jill, oh, really, for your time sure. and sharing. This is so much fun. Yeah, thanks. no, I agree. And really, thanks for sharing all these awesome success strategies with, with Hacker Nation. So where can our listeners find out more about you and your business? I would love for folks to find me. I am pretty personable. Um, if you go to foundingmoms.com, I'm there. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Founding Mom. If you name a social media outlet, I'm there. Uh, and I also, I have a business podcast that's pretty different. Um, it's called Breaking Down Your Business that I do with my co-host Brad Ferris. Um, so you can find me there too, BreakingDownYourBusiness.com. That is awesome. This has been so much fun. Yeah, so great. This Thank you so great. much. Absolutely. Hacker Nation, make sure to head over to SuccessHackers.net for this episode's show notes and recap from today's interview, along with other really cool resources that we have right there on the site. Also, don't forget to leave a review and a five-star rating on the iTunes page. By doing this, this will allow the show to grow and in turn allow us to impact more people from across the globe. And also, you can follow me and the show on Twitter at ScottHanson1210, at ScottHanson1210. So thanks again for listening to another episode of Success Hackers. Until next show, go out and live with passion. Take care.